Welcome to the National Council of Supervisors of Mathematics, NCSM, Leadership in Mathematics podcast. NCSM is an organization supporting mathematics education leadership at the school, district, college, university, state, province, and national levels. Its membership constitutes an international force collaborating to achieve excellence in mathematics education. Be sure to visit the NCSM website at ncsmonline.org. This episode, recorded at the NCSM 39th Annual Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, held March 19 through March 21, 2007, is the opening keynote address from Georgia State Superintendent of Schools, Kathy Cox. Mrs. Cox will discuss how the state is using internationally recognized mathematics standards to raise expectations for all children. Tune in next week for Episode 4, Leading to Make a Difference. And now, Kathy Cox presents raising the bar in mathematics for all Georgia schools. I'm also pleased to introduce Kathy Cox, our second keynote speaker today. Mrs. Cox is the State Superintendent of Schools and Chief Executive Officer of the State Board of Education in Georgia. Her office is right here in Atlanta. Since her election in November of 2002, she has been a leader in education for Georgia's 181 public school districts. She has made countless contributions to public education throughout her 15 years as a classroom teacher and her service for two terms in the Georgia legislature as a state representative. Superintendent Cox has successfully rallied Georgia's education partners around a single unified vision of leading the nation and improving student achievement. Superintendent Cox has successfully overseen the implementation of the No Child Left Behind program and legislation and led in the creation and adoption of the Georgia Performance Standards. She has moved the department, the Georgia Department of Education towards more data-driven decision-making, particularly in relationship to school improvement and student achievement. Superintendent Cox has reorganized her department into a policy-driven, service-oriented agency that serves the local school systems as they prepare all students for success. Mrs. Cox is here today to discuss with us the use of internationally recognized mathematics standards to raise the expectations for all children. Independent Kathy Cox. Hi, that's nice to meet you. Thank you, thank you. All right, great, thanks. And I will be back on Thursday talking to the teachers also, and that's also a great thrill for me. I myself am a teacher, and I don't know what has happened since I became school superintendent, but I've gone from this political science, American government, world history guru into somebody that can't stop talking about mathematics. You have a convert here. And you notice I used the word mathematics because the first thing that I picked up is that people who are really doing math call it mathematics. 
and the rest of us just call it math. So I, I really am a convert here, and um, I'm going to share with you today, I think, some of the data, because the one thing that I am as a political science person is a data geek. And what the data has shown me since I became state superintendent of schools is that if we continue with this ill-conceived, backwards notion that some kids just can't learn mathematics, that it's going to continue to pull us down as a state and as a country. And that the most important thing that we can do for our future is to not just talk about all children can learn to read, if we learn to teach it better, or all children can learn, but if we really start believing and practicing the idea that all children can learn mathematics to high levels. And that's what I'm going to talk about you to, with you today. That journey of saying, yes, we can, yes, they can, yes, all kids can. And I will tell you, we're not, we're not there yet in Georgia. We're embarked on this journey, but I'll be honest, and uh, Sam King will probably testify as a superintendent in the local district, we're just really starting to get people's attention that this is what we're doing. And as we start to really get people's attention, there's some pushback coming. And we know that and we understand that, but we want to be a united front in being able to counter that. So again, I'm delighted to be here with you uh, and share some of our journey with you. And hopefully you can take a little bit of this back and maybe share it and look at your data in your local system or your state. Here's what we look like in Georgia. All right. The picture here, and I'll give you a moment to, to take a look at that, but as you can see, there's a couple of things. We, we have been testing reading and mathematics for a while in the state, even before No Child Left Behind made us. We have re three real key benchmarks, fifth grade, eighth grade, and 11th grade. Both of these are not just regular tests, these are true gateway tests. Kids have to pass reading and math to be promoted from fifth to sixth grade, they have to pass reading and math to be promoted to ninth grade, and then they must pass it as well to get a diploma. So these are not just any tests, these are truly the highest stakes of them. So you can imagine that these are our best numbers. Okay, these are the areas where our kids are doing the best in math on these three tests. But the first trend that you'll notice is that achievement for all students goes down. We're at one point in fifth grade, and then everyone's achievement goes down in eighth grade, and then everyone's achievement uh, drops even more by the time they leave high school. So that's problem number one. What's happening in secondary mathematics education? That's the first thing that the data glares out. But the second thing I think that you'll notice is the particular plight of what's happening to our students of color and minority students. And when you're in a state where almost 40, 45% of your students are coming from an African-American or Hispanic background, you can't ignore this kind of achievement gap. No one should be ignoring it, quite frankly, if you want to get on my soapbox, but particularly in a state as diverse as Georgia. So this is very, very troubling. Um, as you see that achievement gap grow, particularly during the middle grade years. 
And then it doesn't get any better in high school, in fact, it gets worse. This is also then what happens when you look at Georgia from a national perspective. We end up paying a lot of attention to the SAT in Georgia because we have something called the HOPE Scholarship. And the HOPE Scholarship is a wonderful program that, oh, that's the other thing you should do, go out and buy a lottery ticket because the, hope, the lottery proceeds benefit this HOPE Scholarship and basically a student who is just a B student can go tuition free to any university system of Georgia college or university or any of our technical colleges by just being a B student. That's all it takes. They go tuition free. So buy a couple lottery tickets while you're here. Great program. We're offering this out to all kids. Guess what we find? Overwhelming majority of our kids do dream of going to college. We have almost, uh, a, uh, we, have, we had a 72% of our students take the SAT. That puts a lot of pressure on SAT scores. And the issue with us is that our SAT scores are not where we want them to be when it comes to looking at how do we compare to the rest of the country. So a lot of emphasis on Georgia on trying to change that SAT ranking, if you will, so that our state doesn't get a black eye every time those come out. Well, what I've discovered as superintendent is that we're never going to get away from that unless we focus on mathematics. Because when you break down the data, we're doing really well on the new writing section. We're doing fairly well on the, on the reading and critical uh, reading sections. But math is the area that continu continues to pull us down. So this last time the SATs came out, I really put my arms around math. And I started just digging, digging, digging. And my first hypothesis was, our kids don't do as well because we only require three years of math to graduate or they're taking math, but what kind of math? But then I looked at that and I said, nope, wait a minute. Georgia's got 69% of that 72% taking four years of math, and that's actually higher than the national average. So then the question, especially because then you look at this, of those four-year students who took math, our average SAT score of 100 compared to the national average of 529. So obviously, it must be because our kids are just taking you know, lower level mass, right? That's, that's got to be the problem. The problem with our scores has got to be that we've got too many kids just taking algebra, geometry, and really not going much further than there. But the truth of the matter is, in our state, it doesn't matter what kind of mathematics they're taking. That chart, if you'll step through it, it doesn't matter whether the child stopped at the highest level course of an algebra course, or they went all the way through AP and took a calculus class. Our national, or our average scores for that group of students is lower in every single category compared to kids who took the same level of math somewhere else in the country. Now that's pretty sobering. And that's some real, real difficult data, I'm sure, for some of our Georgia math teachers. But what it shows is we haven't gotten something right with that curriculum, even for the kids who go on into the highest levels of math. There's something that our kids aren't getting 
that kids in other uh, parts of the country are. And again, that leads us to talk about what are we going to do to change it? How do we structure it? If you also take a look at our overall national achievement in mathematics, you all know this as supervisors. You know that as a nation, we're really not cutting it the way we should be compared to uh, countries across the world. In fact, the international average of 500 the, on the TIMS score, on the TIMS assessment, our average score of a 483 is even below the international average. So here we are in the state of Georgia with a big gap, a real achievement problem within our state. You compare that, our state to across the nation, uh, we've got a problem. And then our nation as a whole has a problem. And that's kind of what this represents. You know, we, we've got an issue here. We've got an issue when you compare Georgia to the nation, and you've got an issue when you compare the nation to the world. So the question is, what are we doing about it? A couple of years ago when I came into office, um, well, I came in in 2003, we were just, we had been testing kids for a while, but we were re really just ready to ramp up more standardized testing, particularly at the high school level, uh, for No Child Left Behind and some other things. And um, I had an appointment with a high school teacher who came to talk to me about the pros and cons of standardized testing. And it was a high school uh, social studies teacher like myself, and we were sitting there discussing and debating the pros and cons. And I was this teacher, I'd been a teacher for 15 years in this state, and thought I'd done a pretty good job. Uh, but I, to be honest, I'd never really used the state's curriculum because it really wasn't worth, you know, you can teach anything and make it fit the state's curriculum. That's how broad, how wide it was, you know, it just, I could go in there and do whatever. So I did what most teachers do. I went in and taught how I had been taught by good teachers. I taught what I thought the kids were going to need in college, you know, because I mostly taught seniors, so I was getting them ready for, for uh, college level political science. And a lot of times when I wasn't real sure, I taught according to the textbook you know, like most teachers. So now you start talking about testing, well, where does the test fall in with all that, right? So this teacher leaned, after debating for about a half an hour, he leaned over my desk and he says, you know what, superintendent? He said, um, I really don't mind if you test my kids. I'm a good teacher. They'll do a good job. But he looked me straight in the eye and he said, but would you bother telling me what you want me to teach them before you test them? And it dawned on me, my role now was really in this age of accountability, the biggest thing I could do for teachers was to give them a good curriculum, where there wasn't this guesswork, where you weren't shooting at a target this big to try to hit a place on a test this big. What if we actually created a curriculum that helped teachers focus on something this big and made sure kids got it, and we hit that target within there? So work began on this Georgia Performance Standards. And we revised all four content areas. Not revised, that's the wrong word. We, we started over. And we rewrote all four content areas. And the most exciting and the most difficult was when it came to mathematics. Because there was clearly something wrong with the way we were doing it. So we called together our teachers, our subject area experts, our curriculum supervisors. 
We had college and university people represented, and we had the business community when we created it. We had partners all over Georgia coming together to say, what would the best mathematics education K-12 program look like if we could start from scratch? And they went out, not just within Georgia, to find good systems that were teaching good mathematics, but they went out across the globe. And so what happened was, is they looked at not only the NCTM and the focal points and the recommendations by the National Council, they looked at groups like the College Board and Achieve, but again, they also went out around the world. And they took those TIMS results and they went in and found the curriculums of what other countries' mathematics education looked like and said, how is it different? Now, as most of you know, as supervisors of math, the biggest difference, particularly in places like Japan and Singapore, the way they teach mathematics, it's a step approach. Limited number of concepts per year taught in depth, mastery expected. Step up, move on. Use what you learned, don't repeat it. Like many states, we had been engaged in this spiral curriculum where you taught a little bit of this, moved on, taught a little of this, moved on, and then the next year you started down at the bottom and you went back up. And the problem was there was no expectation of mastery of that. And I think that's why we ended up in a situation that no matter how far a child advances in mathematics, they're still lacking some deep, deep understanding and some application skills because they've never necessarily gotten the firm foundation that they needed to apply the mathematical thinking. So we based it on the Japanese standards, and that was a huge step and quite a controversial one. Um, and I will tell you, um, it wasn't an easy thing to get people to agree to do it this way, um, but you know we we did it. Uh, and what it means is some real different kinds of implications for the classroom. Mathematics education, particularly grades six through twelve, is lo it looks very different than it will. Uh, we're only at the seventh grade rollout. It's going to look very different than it did just a couple of years ago. Personally, I have two kids, two sons one an 11th grader and one a 7th grader who is in the midst of all this. And the mathematics education that my younger son is going to get is going to look very different than what the math education that my oldest son got, and they're just four years apart in school. I tell people a lot that if I didn't believe in what we're doing, I wouldn't experiment with my own child. But I was excited when I knew that Alex the seventh grader was going to get a chance to really get an incredible mathematics education where he didn't just memorize formulas and he didn't just apply something one time for a test, that he really began to understand the reasoning and the logic and the analytics behind mathematics and could apply those in problem solving. Because I have a child, and it's always exciting to hear him talk, who believes he'll be part of the first manned mission to Mars? That's what our seventh graders are thinking about. And you know what? If we're going to make that happen, now he doesn't know. He's got bad eyes, so he knows he might not be the one going to Mars. But he believes that he knows and is excited enough about mathematics and science that he could be one of the people on the ground making sure they get there and get back. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? 
That's what he thinks about. That's what he wants to do. And I believe we're setting him up with the kind of great mathematics education so he can get there. This is just one example of what I talked about in terms of focus. We've gone from a curriculum where in sixth grade under our old curriculum they had 53 topics to cover. Most of those topics were things that they should have learned in elementary school. Uh, and we, we reduced that to 18. Same for seventh and eighth grade. In fact, the biggest criticism of our middle grade's math curriculum uh, under the old system was most of it was repeating what they should have learned in elementary school. You end up with a whole lot of bored kids and kids who just, it's the same stuff and they never learn to take it to a next level. So this is a huge difference and the math that those students are getting in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade is a lot different as well, more, uh, is a lot more different, more difficult as well. This is our rollout. It, this is huge what we're doing because you have to understand that now, instead of having one or two gifted classes that take algebra in middle school or take algebra and geometry in middle school, our new mathematics curriculum starts sixth graders on a track all, and they're just, by the way, this is another thing, math supervisors, in middle grades, we have one track and an accelerated track. That's it. There's no one, two, three, or one, two, three, four. There's no a kid coming out of fifth grade and gets a label that says, I'm slow at math. We're not doing that in the state of Georgia. Because I'm convinced from looking at the data, that label that gets put on a kid after fifth grade about math that's the number one thing that infects their entire secondary school career. Because guess what? If they get hit with a label that says, I'm not real good in math, they end up in the class where they're not expected to do much in English. And they end up in a class where they're not expected to do much in science. And they end up with the, the quote, slow kids in social studies. We've stopped that. Math and accelerated. And what that means for most sixth grade, well, for all kids in Georgia, that by the time they leave the eighth grade, they will have completed the entire Algebra One course and half of a high school geometry course by the time they leave eighth grade. It's big, it's bold, but it's gotta be done because algebra and geometry are the keys, as all of you, all of you know. And it's not just a key to higher level mathematics, it's a key to higher level thinking in all subjects. Mathematics helps people learn to think. This is coming from a social studies teacher. How about that? <sighs> now, you can imagine we're going from a system that had a couple of teachers that taught the higher level maths in middle school to all teachers teaching it. Big, big, big training, and that's what we're embarked on. Um, and this is some of the results we're getting from that training. A teacher in Sumter County, which is kind of a, uh, well, it's South Georgia, let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, a lot further south than Atlanta. But uh, Gayla had this to say. She said, teachers in Sumter County and across the state are beginning to think outside the box and use ordinary everyday items and events to teach extraordinary lessons in mathematics. Once the teachers make the connection, students tend to enjoy mathematics and overcome their fear of the subject. And that's what I saw. I made a tour 
in um, last year, all over the state, all over the, the school year of 2005, 2006, and everywhere I went, I asked to see a sixth grade math class. Let me tell you, I saw some incredibly engaged kids. This was out in a little school system called Social Circle, where they were studying surface area, and instead of just memorizing formulas and working problems, the kids had to form a box wrapping company and they were given the dimensions of the box, and you can see they were actually manipulatives. And with, before they were ever introduced to a formula of how to solve surface area, they were given this problem of coming up with the most efficient use of the wrapping paper to wrap the box. And how would they do that, and what would that formula look like? And the kids were so engaged. And I want to add that this was a collaboratively taught class that had special education students in it and well, as well, who were right there with the other kids figuring out how, what was the most efficient way to wrap, uh, to wrap the box. As we've implemented this, what have we learned? Well, we've learned that teachers need a lot of support. We learned also, of course, that people outside of education don't understand that. When you start talking about teacher training to legislators, to policymakers, and to people that can put the money to make that happen, it's like a switch goes off. I think that's been our biggest struggle, is getting people to realize that we basically are retooling a factory. We're taking a middle school that used to do something one way, and we're completely gutting it, and we're putting in new equipment, new machinery, and we're expecting a different product. Now, if you did that in industry, would there be any question that the people in there working in that plant would need new training? Of course not. But somehow, people outside education think that, oh, a teacher will just get it. So one of our biggest struggles has been convincing folks of the need for professional learning. And it's not just money, it's time. Convincing a lot of our local school boards, our policymakers, and our, our people who, and our principals that teachers need the time to get their arms around this new curriculum and really, really figure it out and uh, help make it happen. The other thing that we learned, don't try to do something this big on your own. <laughs> you've got to have buy-in, and you've got to have buy-in from everywhere. So it was great that our teachers on our uh, curriculum rewrite committee were going gung-ho. But when we got up in July of 2004 to say gung-ho, and we had university professors coming up behind them saying, no way, that was a real problem. Not only did we almost have a, a complete vote down of the whole K-12 um, thing that we had worked on for eight months, we almost had mass walkout and exodus by all the teachers who had worked on this curriculum because somehow they felt they were being overshadowed and overridden by these university people. Anybody ever experienced a little tension between <laughs> excuse me, K-12 educators and college educators of mathematics? I'm not kidding you. I was in my office in the midst of the board meeting literally begging the K-12 teachers to not give up on me and not give up on the curriculum 
They had tears in their eyes. They were so frustrated that they had worked so hard. And then this college professor comes up and just starts blah, 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 blah. And the board was listening to them. And these teachers were like, forget it. You know, what did I spend the last year of my life? I haven't even seen my kids. And now this college professor comes up here and starts They're just, I mean, literally, they're ready to walk out. And I begged them. I literally begged them. I said, you've worked too hard. We've worked too hard. We know this is going to be good for kids. We can turn this, not only this person, but this person represented you know, several views of thoughts out there in the university committee. We can get them to really buy in and understand what we're doing. And we, also, we can use their help, because we shouldn't try to do this alone. So they agreed. And we walked out, and I decided, OK, pride aside, let's pull back a little bit. So I asked the board to only vote on K-8 that day. And I said, we're going to work with the university system, and we're going to make sure that 9 through 12 is absolutely the right product before we bring it back for a vote. So on the K-8, we got a 10-3 vote, all right, because there were still some stragglers who were leery about what we were even doing there. We slowed down, we regrouped, and we started really working together. Now, the university system had been with us through the whole thing, but I mean really working together. And one year later, when we all came back to the table, university system, K-12 system, and said, here's our high school program. We think we've worked out everything. We got a 13 to nothing vote. So sometimes the answer is just to slow down a little bit and to, and to get it right and to kind of force people together, even though at times it might seem like oil and water. I'll tell you what they all had in common, though. They all had a vision of all kids learning mathematics to high levels. And that's what, what made them come together, because they did share that vision of what can make our state even stronger. We're about ready to start the high school, which is an integrated approach. There will no longer be discrete classes. We will have a math one, two, three, and four, and then advanced placement calculus and statistics and others. All kids will be expected to get through math one, two, and three. That will put them at a level of a minimum of algebra two for all students. Why is that important? College Board says you need a minimum of Algebra two to do well on the SAT. We have 72% of our kids trying to get to college. Last year, 20% of them had Algebra two or above. Any wonder our scores are low. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. That's what we're driving. Uh, we're pulling them together in a big way. We've learned a lot about training. We learned that sometimes train the trainer doesn't work so well because you can't guarantee redelivery. You can't guarantee what it's going to look like. You spend three hours with the trainers, and they go back and they have 30 minutes to redeliver to the teachers. So we said, this is too important. We're going to do face-to-face -face training with as many teachers as we possibly can. And so we've put together uh, a plan for that. We also realized that you can't just do this with training. There has to be 24-hour, seven-day-a-week support for this new curriculum. And the way and the vehicle to do that is with the web and with technology. And we're fortunate in Georgia to have great technology in our schools and all teachers having access to that. Our problem was we've been so fast 
in getting this thing done that we hadn't, didn't have the money or, or the resource. Now remember, we did all this curriculum right in the midst of all the recession. So you can imagine how many dollars we got to redo the curriculum. You know, goose eggs with not a lot of in front of them. So now we're at a point where we're saying, and this has been the hard sell, we need the money to put the resources, particularly on the websites, to help our teachers with frameworks, with formative assessments, and most importantly, with these wonderful tasks to help illustrate and understand the standards. And uh, we have ramped that up in a big way, and I will say credit to our governor, who also just gave us a pretty nice chunk of change specifically for mathematics and uh, to get more and more resources on the web, including some ongoing training for teachers. We also are putting together a toolkit uh, for our administrators and our supervisors of mathematics who over the next year and a half are really gonna be out in the community trying to help parents understand that this high school mathematics curriculum is gonna look very different than what they experienced. And for parents like me, who have one kid in the old system and one kid coming up in the new system, we've got a lot of legwork to do in terms of communication. So we're also very busy, and if anybody has any uh, experience with this, find someone from Georgia and bend their ear about it, because uh, communication, I think, beyond getting the curriculum written and the teachers teaching it, communicating why it's important, why it's good, and why it's a good thing to change, uh, that's probably our greatest challenge coming ahead of us as parents start to understand that things are different. Uh, again, I wanna just say from someone who understands and, and realizes the importance of mathematics education for our country and for the future of our country and our future competitiveness, I wanna thank you for your leadership role. Um, we know, I mean, I don't think anybody out there would ever suggest that math isn't important. But I think people are just really beginning to understand, just like reading is a foundation for all other learning, I think people are beginning to understand that higher levels of mathematical thinking are, is a foundation for higher level thinking in every subject area. And I hope that in this conference you have an opportunity to not only get that message gelled within all of y'all, but hopefully figure out a way that we can, you know, pervade and, and make up and penetrate this country and to stop thinking that certain people just can't do math. It's, it's wrong, it's, um, it's, the, it's the coward's way out, and um, not to say that getting all kids to learning high levels of math isn't probably gonna be one of our greatest challenges as a country, but I believe that we should be doing it, that there's a moral imperative to doing it when you look at these gaps, and also there's an economic and a, um, a real incentive to do it in terms of what's happening around the world with competitiveness and the jobs of the future. So I applaud you for your role and uh, for your leadership in this area. I hope that um, as you're out and about and you, you may, maybe you run across a lot of Georgia educators, you can ask them how it's going. You might get a mixed bag. Uh, most teachers are very excited about it, but we have a lot of teachers who are also nervous, as you can well imagine. Um, but we're gonna, we're gonna keep pushing the bar 
and raising the bar for our state. And hopefully in this conference, you're going to come away energized to go back to your home state and your districts and do exactly the same thing. So have a great conference. And again, now don't skip any sessions. I'm not encouraging that. But hopefully you'll get out and enjoy our beautiful weather and spend a little money while you're here too. God bless you all. Thanks. Thank you, Kathy Cox, for sharing all of your background experiences with this. I have two presentations to make and an announcement. As a thank you on behalf of NCSM for our keynote speakers, I'd like to present them with this gift. Samuel T. King, if you would come up, please. Thank you very much. And Kathy Cox, please accept this on our behalf. Thank you, Thank you very much. <laughs>